Hey everyone, welcome to the Brainy SLP podcast. My name is Danielle Kent and I am a mom, wife, and multi-passionate SLP, wild about equipping parents and professionals to confidently teach problem solving, socialization, communication, and play to all of our neurodiverse learners. By making our practices inclusive, we can reach all learners. All brains are amazing and understanding neurodiversity is key to our future. Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 14 of the Brainy SLP podcast. This week's podcast is um, the last podcast for the month of May. I did a podcast for every week of the four the four first weeks of May. May is a long month. <laughs> I always feel like um, the months of March and May, and maybe this is because I work in a school, um, but the months of March and May are typically um, some of the longest. So in May, there are four months but that last four months, so there are five weeks in May, but that last week is capped off by Memorial Day, which is actually starting off the first week of June. So this will be the last um, episode for the month of May, and I will be back to you on June 7th for your next episode of the Brainy SLP podcast. So it's always fun to pre-record these podcasts because I'm kind of looking forward and I'm recording these in advance. And um, I am always thinking about, you know, what will I always feel like I'm learning things so fast and so rapidly because um, I'm in this really intensive deep dive period of my life where I'm constantly reading and researching and learning. And I always wonder when I listen back to this episode, will anything have changed for me? Will I be thinking about things um, differently or will I have added to my knowledge? So, I mean, I always hope that I have added to my knowledge. So it's always it's always fun to pre-record and kind of think forward about what I'll think in the future. Um, but today is really about the power of previewing and being proactive when we're teaching play skills. So last week I talked about the magic and taking the pressure off and following a child's lead in play. And I believe those these are two of the most important components of play that we spend a lot of time following a child's lead in play so that they're really getting that restorative enjoyment of play. And that we are also previewing and being proactive in teaching play tools and play options so that our students have a toolbox full of skills and strategies to use for various play opportunities if they want to engage in them. And that's probably the most important part for me is that part of if they want to engage in them. No form of play is inappropriate. No form of play is non-functional. We're really redefining around here that all play is functional. Sometimes we need to redefine how we view it. So when we think about um, play, this is really um, kickstarted for me by an Instagram post um, by the username Unmasked, um, U-N-M-A-S-K-E-D. And um, I'm just gonna pull it up quickly so I can talk about their profile because it's um, been a really helpful profile for me to learn from. Um, and the post essentially said um, that it was sharing an experience from um, somebody who had was at a job and they um, some, they were doing something they were they were sorting receipts and somebody came up and showed them a different way of doing it and they had the opportunity to see a different way and they wound up choosing to use that different way but the person who came up and showed them didn't say like oh your way is not appropriate or your way is wrong um it was just 
um, they came up and they were inquisitive and they were curious. So they observed first, saw that was happening, and then they kind of showed them a different way to do it. And this individual chose to um, do it a different way. And so um, the Instagram name is I I um I saw their their Twitter name. It's unmasked at N E E M O N E T A U. Um, that's their Twitter name, unmasked. But on Instagram, it is U N N M A S K E D. And so I highly encourage you to go follow, um, go follow them on, on Instagram. Um, it's T, uh, they, them. And so I wanted to read their post to you and I just canceled out of it. So I'm going to go back into it. Um, and the post says this, I remember at my last serving job, it was my job as a host to organize the papers from orders people had given. No one told me exactly how to do this. And I don't remember the way I was doing it, but the restaurant manager came over and watched me inquisitive for a moment. Immediately. I thought I must be doing something quote unquote wrong. Um, and stopped. But he instead said, I'm intrigued by the way that you're doing this. Never seen that before. So I continued sorting and he calmly said, want me to show you an easier way? I moved aside and he did. I ended up using his way as it was indeed easier for me. This is how teaching autistic children should look. We should never be taught the way we play is wrong. The way we play is instinctual. That's the definition of play. Show us the other methods. Make us aware they exist based on if one is quote unquote easier, not quote unquote socially appropriate. And once we have been exposed to them, let us choose. So again, I just want to, I'm going to highlight, please go follow T. Their um, Instagram name is U-N-N-M-A-S-K-E-D. And um, that account really, <sighs> phenomenal posts. But what that post did for me was it highlighted the importance of teaching a variety of play tools and play, play schemes and play options. And this is where previewing and being proactive in play is so important. And when you think about play, the complexities of play or the steps of play, what I'll often tell kids is that play involves a couple of steps. We typically have to scan the environment and figure out what we want to play with. So we got to kind of scan the environment and figure out what we want to play with. Second thing is we need to figure out who we might want to play with in that environment. And sometimes we don't want to play with anybody. Sometimes we want to direct ourselves and play. The third part is where are we going to play? Because typically it involves we might take an object from its original location to another location, or we might stay in that original location of the toy or object. And number four is um, communicating our plan to play with somebody else. Um, and so those are the four steps. And so when I think about those four steps, thinking about how we can support our students with the teaching play concepts, one of the most important tools that I use is video previewing, video previewing. And so what this often looks like is maybe video, video previewing um, what a classroom looks like or what my group space might look like and showing students where different things will be so that they have the opportunity to really see what that would look like. And I typically try and do it from the perspective of self so that I like walk in with a camera like it's going to look like when they walk in so they can kind of get that view. The next thing that, that I really like to do is teach any steps of a play scheme or play sequence. So for example, if I'm going to be, if, there, if, if there's a game that's going to be played, a board game or even a play scheme, taking a video of that and going through the steps for that play scheme, some different options. Teaching sequences and schemes can help give kids tools in their toolbox for engaging in a play scheme or a play game with another peer if they wish to. 
I always like to say, I'd rather make sure that my student declined to play because they didn't want to versus they didn't feel they had the skills to. I want to give them all the skills and tools possible, then empower them to make that choice. Do you want to play or do you not? Because you have both choices equally available to you and there's no wrong answer. When I think about the many components of play and sometimes the gestalt difference, the gestalt processing difference, differences we see in our autistic learners, how important it can be to teach all of those explicit concepts that are involved with play. And so while last week's episode was really focused on following a child's lead in play and how important that is, this week I hope you also get the inverse side of that, which is equally true, that I believe that previewing and being proactive in teaching play can have an incredibly positive impact for our students. Remember, in episode 12, I talked about we really want to foster those attachment emotions, love, trust, joy, excitement. Those release those chemicals, oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine. Those activate the reward system, making you more likely to want to repeat an experience. We want to support our kids to feel successful and positive about their experiences. And having the tools to do so can really impact and empower them to feel successful, to either choose to do something or choose not to do something but knowing that they will have the tools to make that choice is the most important thing. I hope this episode caps off the episodes in May by reminding you that being a proactive professional, a supportive parent, and most of all, an amazing advocate for our students are the most important roles that we can have. Until next time, have an amazing rest of your day. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to another episode of the Brainy SLP podcast, where we celebrate neurodiversity and bring awareness to the fact that all brains are awesome. I hope you loved today's episode. If you would like to leave any feedback, please feel free to find me on Instagram at Miss Daniel Kent or send me an email, Danielle at DanielleKent.com. I hope you have an amazing day, and as always, please take the best care of you.